1: Texas king. You read it in context, what's it referring to? It's referring to someone who's older. Timothy was young. Paul told Timothy, listen, don't let anyone despise the youth, but you're a pastor and a leader. There are going to be people older than you. You need to be respectful towards them and not yell at them or, you know, be patient with them. And, but here, we'll see that the word elder is going to be used as one who's mature spiritually.
0: As Christians, it's easy to create cliques with other believers. Whether it's a church or with friends, we'd like to put our church family into groups. Today in his message, Pastor Eddie wants you to know that just as Jesus treated new believers the same way as experienced religious scholars, you need to show everyone in your church family equal love. Leave your cliques behind and let the simple grace of Jesus reign supreme. Well, let's join Pastor Eddie in the book of 1 Timothy chapter five as he begins his message, Honor the elders.
1: 1 Timothy chapter 5, and we're going to look at the remaining part of chapter 5, verses 17 to 25. Remember, 1 Timothy is a pastoral epistle, and it tells us how we ought to conduct ourselves in the house of God. We find that in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14, where Paul writes, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of truth and it's important we to, we to learn how we ought to uh, conduct ourselves now in chapter 5, verses 17 to 25, Paul will give his instruction in honoring the elders, honoring the elders or pastor, if you will. The names are going to be changeable. So if I say pastor, it's the same thing as an elder, not an elder, one is that's older in age, uh, but one that is mature spiritually, one in leadership. So if I say elder or I say pastor and elder or pastor, you know what I'm talking about. But let us read. The text before us, let us read from verses 17 to 25. 1st Timothy chapter 5, verses 17 to 25. Paul writes, Let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the word and doctrine. For the scripture says, You shall not muzzle an ox while it shreds out the grain, and the labor, laborer is worthy of his wages. Do not receive an accusation against an elder except from two or three witnesses. Those who are sinning, rebuke in the presence of all, that the rest also may fear. I charge you before God and the Lord Jesus Christ and the elected angels that you observe these things without prejudice, doing nothing with partiality. Do not lay hand on anyone hastily, nor share in other people's sin. Keep yourself pure." No longer drink only water, but use a little wine for your stomach's sake and your frequent infirmities. Some men's sins are clearly evident, preceding them to judgment, but those of some men follow later. Likewise, the good works of some are clearly evident, and those that are otherwise cannot be hidden. Now, for those of you taking notes, we're reading, we're studying from verses 17 to 25 of 1 Timothy chapter 5. In verses 17 and 18, Paul deals compensation for an elder, uh, wages for a pastor and elder. In verses 19, 21, the accusation of an elder. And verses 22 to 25, selecting an elder for the church. So we read our text. Let us now study it verse by verse. First Timothy chapter 5, verse 17, it says, let the elders. Let the elders. Now, we've gone over the word elder several times in our study of 1 Timothy, and in the Greek it's presbyteros. You could actually almost pronounce it in English, Presbyterian. They get this from the word elder in the Greek. And it means one who's advanced and mature in life, a senior or one who is advanced and mature spiritually. We looked at verse 1 of chapter 5 last week, and where the word elder in the Greek there is referring to one who has advanced and mature in life, a senior, and again context is king. You read it in context. What's it referring to? It's referring to someone who's older. Timothy was young. Paul told Timothy, listen, don't let anyone despise the youth, but you're a pastor and a leader. There are going to be people older than you. You need to be respectful towards them and not yell at them or, you know, be patient with them. And, but here we'll see that the word elder is going to be used as one who's mature spiritually, referring to a pastor or a leader. So he says, let the elder who rule well be counted worthy of double honor. And so the Apostle Paul calls for the elders, the pastor who rule well, be counted worthy of double honor. Now, what does that mean? That mean if Pastor Eddie's at your house at a barbecue, you don't give him a cheeseburger, you give him a double cheeseburger. <laughs> no, nah, just kidding. Right. Just kidding. <laughs> Now, to rule well, to rule well means that an elder pastor is to take lead. It's to remain steadfast in the ministry. That's what it means by ruling well. It's not ruling well based on what your definition what is well. But what is he doing biblically as a leader? Is he disqualifying himself as a leader? Or is he following what a leader should do in scripture? And that is overseeing the congregation, the affairs of the church. And it does not mean that the pastor has to rule perfectly well because there's no such pastor the only one that's perfect we know is Jesus Christ he is the great shepherd of the flock of the church but he is to rule well meaning taking lead in the ministry remaining steadfast in the ministry being consistent and if he rules well he says he's to be counted worthy of double Honor. Now, the word honor, we looked at also last week in the Greek, in verse 3 of chapter 5. In verse 3 of chapter 5, where it says, honor widows, honor widows. That word honor, in verse 3 of chapter 5, is the Greek word Timayo. Timayo, it means to value, to respect. Okay, however, the word honor here in verse 17 of chapter 5 is the Greek word time. and it means compensation. It means a valuing by which the price is fixed. So again, this is why I give you the Greek word to understand there is a different meaning here. We use the word love for everything. I love my wife. I love pizza. I love my dog. You can't really love them all the same equally, but in the Greek, you have agape, phileo, phileo, eros and so they're different meanings for the words in the english is different so the honoring of the widow is a different word with the honoring of pastors it's talking about compensation as a matter of fact this greek word teme it is it used in ancient writings outside of the bible the bible and it refers to financial payment salary and wages okay so the elder pastor who rules well is to be financially supported financially supported so as for the double honor the emphasis is not so much of being a double and paul is not saying that he should receive exactly double okay what's the average income in your community okay well we're gonna double it that's not we know there are churches that do that we know the uh TV uh, evangelists, you know, the prosperity teachers would do beyond that. They quadruple. That is not what the emphasis is here, but rather it should be received. They should receive a generous, respectable wage beyond others in the ministry because they oversee the entire uh, church ministry plus the people individually and also with the study of the word of God. And so there's a lot that, that goes behind the scene than just on Sundays, believe you me. Now, we can see that Paul is consistent in this area of honoring those who rule and labor over us in the church. He wrote to the church of the Thessalonians in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 12 to 13. He writes this, And we urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. Be at peace among yourselves. And the end result of being faithful, following the word of God, and honoring those that labor over you, those that shepherd you, the end result is peace. Peace. You notice, and I've been in church and I've been in ministry for so long. There will be those that will challenge you and make things difficult. They're not being submissive to what the Bible says. And what happens is there is no peace. So he says in verse 17, Let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially, meaning chiefly, especially those who labor in the word and doctrine. I don't know about you, but when I grew up in church, before I became a pastor, that's where I wanted to be. I wanted to be in a place where they actually teach the word of God, not tickle my ears, not entertain me. I've come to learn the word of God. I've come to learn theology, doctrine. We come across that. And there is a lot of work when it comes to teaching verse by verse, expository teaching. There is a lot of work when you have to throw in the doctrine and theology, so that's why we're not so big on topical teaching because topical teachings are easy. I came across a pastor who says, well, it's easy to teach verse by verse. I said, no, I disagree with that. <laughs> and he kept quiet and I gave him the explanation as to why. You're obligated, you're forced to actually study the next text. I am obligated to teach chapter 6 of 1 Timothy. I am obligated to now begin the new teaching of 2 Timothy and so on till we get to Revelation. I cannot ignore things that I do not understand. It forces me to study it, to research, to know it, to teach it. So it's easy to pick a little topic and, tickle, and just take one verse and just talk about, talk about you and some other kind of explanation or illustrations. That's easy. It's hard. So it's a lot of work when one labors in the word and in doctrine, keeping consistent with the doctrine, because there's so many doctrines out there. How would you know the truth if you don't know the truth? Okay, how do you use a guide? How do you know what you're learning scripturally if it's not doctrinal? You need to learn doctrine. Pastors who labor and study in the word of God and teaching the word of God, you know, they're, they're, they need to be compensated because it takes a lot of work. And I can tell you this. Being bi vocational is not easy by any means. I've done it for six years. When I was pastoring a church in East Harlem, I was a full-time police officer and I had to study two gives two studies, midweek and Sunday. It wasn't easy because you know I lived about an hour and 15 minutes away from work and the church. But I did it for three years. Then the Lord called me back to my old church and the Lord called me here, and I had done that in the beginning of our study. We started in 2012 of August, and then I was still a police officer, full-time, working in New York City, getting off the midnight shift, driving all the way to Orange County, New York, Middletown, where I lived, and showered. You wanted me to shower. I showered and I came and I gave a Bible study right off the midnight shift after fighting crime in the midnight shift in East Harlem. I came and I had to give a Bible study and I did that for three years. It's not easy. So to have someone, I discovered that the Lord called me out just before my 20th anniversary, just a shy year and a half. But I knew it was God's calling. I knew that I had to give more time as the church was growing, more time into prayer, more time into the studying of the word. And I found that the church continued to grow, that I became full time into ministry. So it's not easy. But those who rule well are to be given double honor, especially those who um, labor in the word and doctrine. Verse 18, he says, for the scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain. Now, this is an Old Testament law. And there was a law even to care for those animals that actually work in the field for you. Those animals that you put the yokes on and are in the field and they're plowing and, and those that are working towards the green. There's you know, animal cruelty, the Bible protected animals, especially the ones that you're using to help you get food and put food on your table. And so this is an Old Testament law. It's Deuteronomy chapter 25, verse 4. I'll give it to you in the New Living Translation. It says, you must not muzzle an ox to keep it from eating as it treads out the grain. It must eat too. You must feed and take care of it. How many of you, we don't have, you know, I don't know anybody has a farm or ranch here, but the closest thing we have is not really an animal, it's a car. And my father always told me, you take care of your car. Your car's going to take care of you. Give it the oil change. You know, take care of it. Otherwise, it's going to leave you stranded. And, and that's what I tell my daughters when they got their car. You have to take care of it. You have to give it the oil change and give it the tune-up that it needs. And otherwise, it's going to leave you stranded. And so, you know, in the same way, the Lord's saying, listen, you know, take care of the animal. Not that he's saying that a pastor is an animal, maybe this one here. But, you know, the thing is, you know, he's saying it's just wisdom. And so if the Lord gave a, a law requiring that we feed and care for even animals who work in labor, it treads out the grain to provide food for us. How much more would the Lord want faithful pastors to provide the spiritual food to the church to be honored as they provide a wisdom in the word of God and so he says you should not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain and and the laborer is worthy of his wages Paul is quoting from Jesus Christ and he quotes in Luke chapter 10 verse 7 when Jesus says the laborer is worthy of his wages it's a biblical principle A biblical principle. And so we are to give double honor to elders who rule well, especially those who labor in the word of God and doctrine. Next, in verses 19 and 21, verses 19 through 21, it's the accusation of an elder. Now there's protection for the elder as well. So Paul gives instruction, protecting the elder, the pastor, against false accusation. So let's look at verse 19. He says, do not receive an accusation against an elder except from two or three witnesses. And this is important. Throughout the scriptures, the enemy has used people to falsely accuse men of God who are, and trying to destroy their ministry. Joseph, Moses, David, Jeremiah, Nehemiah, Paul himself, and even Jesus Christ suffered false accusations. And this is important. Paul warns us about false accusations against pastors. And so the first thing he tells us to do, the first thing we must do when you hear someone making an accusation against a pastor, any pastor. If you hear an accusation against me, it's probably true. Just kidding. But any pastor, any accusation, any accusation, the first thing he says, do not receive it. Do not receive it. He didn't say believe it or don't believe it. He goes beyond that. It's not whether you believe the accusation or not. He says do not receive it. Don't receive it. He didn't say believe it. So he says do not receive it, much less believe it. It's inevitable that there will be false accusations against a pastor. It happens. Why? Because there are people in the church. (laughs) That's why. It happens. It happens. In fact, I don't believe there's a single pastor throughout the history of the church from the day of Pentecost in the book of Acts to now unto the Lord should tarry that has not received a false accusation against him. There's not one single one. It happens. You're up there, and you know, it's like one little accusation, forget it. You're of the devil. <laughs> You're evil. And it's wrong. Do not receive it. I was taught this before I was a pastor. Do not receive a false accusation. Don't receive it. You hear somebody talking about it? Did you witness it? Did you, with your physical eyes, witness this sin that disqualifies him as a pastor? So do not receive an accusation against a pastor, an elder, except, and here's the exception, except from two or three witnesses. It's not that you huddle together behind the pastor or the leadership is referring to the leaders. Paul is speaking to leaders. So the leadership of this church, the leadership of Calvary Chapel, we're not to accept any accusation against any of our leaders, except that there are two or three witnesses and they come to the leadership and they say, this is the situation. Now this law, this law, uh, two or three witnesses is an Old Testament law. The law, gave, the law, the Lord gave to the children of Israel back in Deuteronomy, and it's to establish the fact and to see if the accusations are true. So in Deuteronomy chapter nineteen, verse fifteen, the Lord said to the children of Israel, "One witness shall not rise against a man, not one, concerning any iniquity or any sin that he commits." By the mouth of two or three witnesses, the matter shall be established. And we need to follow this law. We need to follow this principle. This law, is still applies for us today. Even though it was an Old Testament law, but the principle, God wants this principle to continue on even for us today because obviously we're reading it in the New Testament. We're reading it from the Apostle Paul. Paul says you need two or three witnesses. Two or three witnesses. So Paul's telling us to continue this practice today. And not only an accusation against a pastor, but this accusation with two or three witnesses also deals with us individually within the church. Remember, Jesus gave us this example, if a brother sins against you, Matthew chapter 18, verses 15 to 16, Jesus says, moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone, that's the first thing. If you pass this with telling someone else, that's gossip, that's gossip. If someone sinned against you, you go to that person, listen, you sin against, don't have a little powwow meeting and a huddle. You take it to a second person without taking it to the first person. That's gossip. You're going against the scriptures of God. Moreover, if, you, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. Why? If he hears you, you have gained your brother. There could be peace. It could be solved right there. He says, but if he will not hear you, take with you one or two more. That by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. A lot of, you know, prosperity preachers like to say, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, yes, Lord, we ask for a mansion. No, (laughs) keep it in context. It's referring to, you know, witnesses about brothers and brothers reconciling with one another. So if a pastor outright commits a sin that disqualifies him for a leader, as a leader, there needs to be two or three witnesses, two or three witnesses. Now, these witnesses who observed this themselves, not like, hey, uh, one person observed it, and all of a sudden, you got five witnesses that hasn't, they, all the other four have not seen a single thing. They weren't there. They didn't witness it with their own eyes. But they took the word of one and said, yeah, we're going along with you, because I, I believe he could do that. <laughs> I believe he did that. You know, no, Two, three witnesses, and it has to be observed, and you have to go to the rest of the leaders it is not for us to go to the church here it is verse 20 let's look at verse 20 it says those who are sinning now let's say you find you know a leader has sinned that disqualifies him for a leader or elder a pastor or a deacon He says those who are sinning referring to the elders and pastors rebuke in the presence of all that the rest also may fear now keeping this in context it doesn't mean that if a leader sins we're going to bring him before the church this is within the leadership, within the leadership. You know, you disqualify yourself because of such such sin, so we need to, you need to step down, taking away your ordination, and, and that's it. You know, it's between the leaders.
2: The
0: Thanks for listening to Running the Race Radio with Pastor Eddie. Pastor Eddie's leading us through a study of 1 Timothy, a letter of Paul that's filled with practical tips for living and leading. In 1 Timothy 4, 15 through 16, Paul wrote to Timothy, Meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them, that your progress may be evident to all. Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them. For in doing this, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. Timothy was a young pastor who was mentored and taught by Paul, And rose above many adversities. Maybe as you're listening today, you're a young person in a difficult situation. Don't forget these words of Paul. Consistent prayer and time in God's Word is not only healthy for you, but will save everyone who hears you. Running the Race Radio is a ministry out of Calvary Chapel of Milford. If you're in the New York, New Jersey, or Pennsylvania area, look us up right now. Head on over to runningtheraceradio.com. Once again, that's runningtheraceradio.com. Once you're there, click back to the homepage for more information about the church, including directions and service times. We would love to invite you to come and see us Sunday morning. And for those of you who are further away, we're delighted to let you know that on the same website, you can find many other messages from Pastor Eddie. Well, thank you for joining us today. We've come to the end of our time together, but we'll be back again next time with Pastor Eddie, right here on Running the Race.